You're listening to the Pastor Chat Podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Dadeville. Welcome. This is episode five of the Pastor Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Forrest Jones, joined by my talented co-hosts, Zach Brown, youth pastor, Ben Hayes, senior pastor. That's not the the Dr. Ben Hayes that sent me the text this morning, was it? Uh, no, rumors are that uh, someone is impersonating me, and I don't really understand that. Well, I would think they weren't very good at their jobs, but then I remembered you're an Alabama fan, so that whole broken English he texted me in might have been more accurate <laughs> than I thought. That's good, uh, Forrest. Uh, I really do appreciate that. Thanks. I was willing to go buy the uh, the prepaid debit card just for you. It well, was because I asked if I could maybe call you and talk about it. And he said, no, I'm in a conference call and I have the flu. I don't know what those had to do with each other. <laughs> well, <laughs> rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated. I'm feeling much better today. So uh, anyway. All right. Well, we are. Uh, going to be talking about forgiveness and is forgiveness forever. So, Brother Ben, Dr. Ben Hayes, as you referred to yourself this morning, if you could jump in with just giving us a rundown of your sermon. Well, thank you, Forrest. Uh, this Sunday, I wanted to close out this mini-series on forgiveness by talking about a very important issue, and that is the issue of the security of the believer, not just the security of the believer, but the eternal security of the believer, because there's an epidemic among believers, uh, Christians who know that there was a time in their past when they've trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. They they know that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for their sins. They know He rose again. They've confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart, just as the Scripture says. And still, they constantly are doubting their salvation, doubting that when they die, they're going to go to heaven, doubting that God loves them enough that he will accept them into his family. Maybe it's because of things they've done in their lives. Maybe it's because of uh, the the way that they relate to their earthly father. There's so many reasons that, that people doubt their salvation. I've had people who are young, people who are old, uh, people of all ages, all races, all demographics who, who've come to me and, and at one time or another uh, wanted to talk about the, the security that, that I talk about, the, the eternal security of the believer. And the truth is that the Bible tells us that we can know. If you ever go up to somebody and say, you know, how do you know if you're saved? A lot of times they'll say, well, you just can't know for sure, but you can uh, the Apostle John wrote this in 1 John 5, 13, and I used this on Sunday. He says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And all you have to do is read all of 1 John, and you see the marks of the believer, the characteristics of those who are truly believers. And that word know is, is a powerful word that he uses there because I pointed out Sunday there are th three basic ideas behind the different words in the Greek language for know. One talks about knowing trivial things. And, and of course, I used uh, Forrest as an illustration there because Forrest knows a lot of trivial things. Uh, you just wouldn't believe the trivial things that, that he knows about. 
uh, as yeah. compared to Zach, who knows deep historical facts. And uh, we, we truly appreciate uh, the both of them. Uh, Forrest is good for a laugh, and Zach is good for a reference. So we appreciate that. Yes, the, the, the second way that this word is used in the, the Greek New Testament has to do with, with short-term knowledge. People who learn facts, but they don't keep them in their hearts and minds because they don't consider them all that important. But then the word that, that John uses here is a word that, that means to know deep down within your heart, to know beyond any shadow of a doubt. And, and that's what John wants us to see is that we can know this way, that we are the children of God, the sons and daughters of God. But the problem is people still doubt. They still have this insecurity when it comes to the, the idea of the security of the believer. So what I wanted to do was look at two verses in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, which define for us what it means to be in Christ Jesus. And as believers, that's where we are. We are in Christ Jesus. And Paul focuses on the identity of believers throughout the, the letter of the, to, uh, to the church at, at Ephesus. And, and what he tells us in verse 13 is that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And that means that at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. And in that indwelling, he empowers us to do the work that God has called us to do. And when that happens, that is what places us in Christ Jesus for all of eternity. Nothing can ever change that. I really didn't talk about the word guarantee in the message on Sunday, but that word guarantee is the Greek word erebon, and it means like an engagement ring. It's almost as if God gives us the Holy Spirit as a sign, a symbol of our relationship with him, which is exactly the symbol that, that we need to, to understand. Now, when we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, then we are promised safety and security because we are in Christ. Well, here's the thing. The way that we know that we are safe and secure is because at the moment of salvation, when the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us, God changes the desires of our heart. He actually places desires in our heart that weren't there before. And the first of, of those desires is to confess our sins. Now, I know that a lot of people will, will go to confession. They will confess things. But when you're a believer, the moment you commit sin, the Holy Spirit brings conviction on your heart. And all of a sudden, you are compelled. You have a desire to confess this to the Father, to say to Him, yes, I sinned. Yes, I agree with you. This is sin, and it's bad, and I don't want to do this anymore. And then the second desire he places in our hearts is a desire to obey him. Now, here's the irony of that. As Christians, we're not always going to obey him. We're going to stumble into sin because we're human beings, and because of that, we're imperfect. But we have that desire, even when we stumble into our sins, to confess and repent, which means that we turn from our sins and turn back to God in obedience to him. And so if you have either well, let me say it this way. If you have both of those desires in your life, then you can have the assurance that you are truly a child of God because only those who have that relationship with God have those particular desires in their lives to confess their sin to God and to obey him faithfully. And that, in a nutshell, is the message from Sunday.
Yeah, talking about sealed. I know you, you mentioned yesterday some example, which, as you already have referenced, Zach and I tend to love some old facts. So you mentioned the idea that sealing in that time was a much bigger deal than just we read the word sealed. That doesn't really that means like, oh, we sealed an envelope. That's not right. a big deal to us. However, them sealing something using a ring and and you know, like clay or wax, or whatever to seal a container or a letter or even a tomb, that was a big deal. This was not just a light thing. Um we probably don't understand the significance of what that really means in that context of what it meant to be sealed. Um, well, and, and that's a good point because here, here's the way it worked back in those days. Uh, let's say that you were um, an, an official in the king's court. Uh, if the king gave you a signet ring that had his symbol on it, you had pretty much the full power and authority of the king because you could seal a decree. And because of that, everyone in the kingdom would be obliged to honor that decree. Um, and so the king only gave that to those people that were trustworthy, that were his people. And, and that's kind of the idea here, that when God gives us the seal of the Holy Spirit, he is empowering us to act for him on earth and to show the world that, that we belong to him. Uh, you mentioned earlier the idea that this could be something that people we might not even realize are struggling with. Um, and I know that in the Christian, in the church, we, we like to talk about um, people's testimonies and especially the ones that are very shocking where you hear that, you know, such an outward living for everything other than God and for themselves and, and just wholeheartedly sinning as fast as they can. And then this huge transformation. Um, and we praise God for those. But I know for me, and, um, you know, praise the Lord, I was saved at a very young age, uh, my wife as well. And that's something she and I have talked a lot about, is the fact that, you know, you have that moment um, when you get older, you start thinking of these things because you're like, well, I, I'm pretty sure when I was five or six, I wasn't robbing banks and doing all these terrible things. Was I ever really saved? I think that's a normal thing. It seems, and this maybe is a stereotype, and Zach could speak more to this. It seems like when you hit those youth, teenage, developmental years, it's a natural kind of struggle that kids go through that that maybe were saved at a younger age, or maybe they weren't. Maybe that that's something they really need to worry about. But um, Zach, can you talk a little about how that, how you've seen that play out in young people? Um, I, I know that that's probably the same for young people all across the world, not just here in Dadeville. Yeah. Um, so I was that kid who, like, again, grew up in church. Yet I got baptized three times before I felt like it really stuck, um, because you know. All growing up, I kind of kind of wrestled with that assurance that we talked about. You know, am I really saved? All all these kind of things. And, and growing up and and looking back over my life, looking at at trends and looking at you know working with with teenagers now, seeing how much of what we believe about salvation salvation is rooted in emotion. Like that that's something that we we see when we're a youth, right? I mean. 
when is the the biggest spiritual event for a youth? It's a D-Now. It's a winter retreat. It's these big emotional weekends where the band plays the music just right as the lights are dim and you feel closer to God than you ever have, and you make this decision. And then you come back into the real world and the emotion fades because emotions do fade. And, and too often, we find our salvation rooted in those emotions. And so we, 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 we do those kind of things because they're effective in the moment, right? You can, you can get an amazing band and an amazing light show, and you can get a bunch of students to go down an aisle and make a profession, and you can have a bunch of baptisms, but that's not really salvation. That's emotion. And so when, for me, so much of, of growing up, my you know, first, second, whatever, professions of faith were in those emotional moments. And another thing that we do is we don't really teach what salvation is, right? Too often we think that salvation is just a decision that you make in the moment, and it's almost like a contract. Problem is, with a contract, that means that you give something and you get something, and but that's not really salvation. Salvation isn't us coming to God and saying, okay, you know what? I'm ready to do things on your terms so long as you fill your end of the bargain. Right. <laughs> but that's not it. Salvation is so much more than just a contract. It is something that is deep and is personal. And I know for me, a, a big thing with my struggle with my faith growing up was having to realize my salvation was rooted in a personal relationship. Um, it, it couldn't be anything that was my youth pastors or my pastors or my parents. It couldn't be anything that I got from somebody. It had to be a moment when I made a decision to have a relationship with Christ. Um, and I think that that's something that we kind of skim over because that's not exactly something that we can like put into an exact formula and say, hey, this is what it looks like. It's a lot easier to say, walk down the aisle, pray this prayer, check this box, get baptized, go on with your life. That's a lot easier. But it's not real. It's not true. And what it really does is it confuses people in a sense. It spent or it took me years to really try to figure out what salvation was because when, when salvation is rooted in these emotions, emotions change, especially when you're a teenager, right? I mean, emotions are constantly fluctuating. And when, when that's what your salvation is rooted in, it changes like crazy. And so it, it's really, really one of the, the things that, that we try to do is to, with our students, root salvation in three things. One, in a personal relationship. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It has to do with you personally making a decision on your salvation. Um, and two, it's got to be something that lasts because salvation doesn't go away, right, when it's, when it's real. Salvation is something that, that you always have emotions aren't. And so your salvation has to be rooted in reality. It can't be in something that is, that is fickle like that. It's not something that, you know, you make a decision at a D now because everybody around you was crying during a song, you know, when the uh, the band hit the chorus of Waymaker for the fourth time and all of a <laughs> sudden, you know, tears running down your face and you cry out to, to God. But 
but it has to be in something real. And so we try to, to connect it personally, that it has to be yours. It has to be real and it has to last because when we went through, um, a while back when I was a youth, we went through JD Greer's book, stop asking Jesus into your heart. And he said one thing in that study that has stuck with me ever since he said, as you go through your life, there's highs and there's lows and there's goods and there's bads. But where you really find your salvation is in the posture in which you are. He said, it's all about posture because there are going to be times when you're high. There's going to be times when you're low. But where is your heart desiring to be? Is salvation something that, that comes and goes? Or is it something that lasts from year to year to year that will last with you your entire life? Zach, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about uh, emotions. Because it doesn't, uh, that, that's not a problem that just uh, happens to our young people. It's a problem with, with people of all ages. In fact, that's typically the way people will express it when they come to me. They'll say, Pastor, I just don't feel saved. And, you know, what I want to tell them is, look, it's not about feelings. It's about fact. It's about faith. Uh, there are mornings when I get up that I don't feel saved. Uh, but the truth is, I know in my heart because I believe in Jesus Christ, I've trusted in him, and I have that relationship that you're talking about. And the Bible's clear about this. Our hearts are intrinsically wicked, and they will, will, will trick us. They will fool us. They will deceive us every time. And if we think of emotion as coming from the heart, we need to understand that our emotions are always going to be based on circumstances where salvation is based on Jesus Christ and what he has promised to do for us and in us. Yeah, I'm just sitting here listening to this conversation. It made me think of just how grateful I am to be here with you guys and that God brought us all together and to um, be with a group of men that we want to see this town, these people, our nation um, become people that are about God and that have been discipled and they are disciples making disciples. Um, but at the same time, we all are very passionate about the idea that we're not going to try and trick people into something um, we want faith that lasts. You know, Zach, you did a great job breaking down what that really looks like. And the idea that you, you look at fruit, this is not a momentary flash and that that is the sign of a, a life lived for God. But if you have, and I guess I should put the caveat here because I know some people listening to this probably heard this and felt their own experience and maybe felt their toes get stepped on a little and they think, well, I had a great, God saved me at summer camp. And praise the Lord, that happens. Mm -hmm. um, I rededicated my life. The first time I ever felt called to the ministry was at a beach summer camp in Georgia. And yeah, it had all those ingredients. Now, the one thing I will point to every time I think about this is God in his grace, and that's all it is had me, he, he spoke to me in that moment. And, and I really felt like the Lord was telling me like, Hey, you need to get right living for me. And I want you to live that out full time eventually. So I went down, did the whole thing, rededicated, rededicated my life and just felt like, you know, Lord, I feel like this is what you're calling me to. 
And I remember I was the only one. Like I went down, there was like thousands of people or whatever. I went down there by myself, didn't know anybody else going down there. And the next night was that night at camp where everybody went down there. And I remember even at the young age thinking, God, thank you for not acting in this moment, but sending me when it was uncomfortable the day before, because it's helped me always to realize like that wasn't about popularity or any of those other things. It was about being obedient to God. And I I distinctly remember feeling like the Lord speaking to me just about as clearly as he ever has. So God does work in those things. And we're not saying that doesn't happen. Um, If we believed that God did not work in those things, we wouldn't do them in our ministry at all. Uh, And denials and camps and events are great. Um, So don't hear us saying that those things are bad and we should never do them. Or that by having a camp with a band, suddenly we're turning into some kind of brainwashing cult. That's not what we're saying at all. Yes. What we're saying is there are people who prioritize tick marks and and a tally over they do over real genuine um, conversions. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and the truth is, you need every aspect in in salvation. Let, let's be clear. When you get saved, it's going to be an emotional experience. Absolutely. Now, you may not be an emotional person, so you may not demonstrate uh, your your emotions the way some people do. But if you you get saved, when God gets a hold of your heart, there's going to be a release, and and there's going to be forgiveness, and there's going to be a sense of joy like you've never experienced before. And you will express that the way that you typically express emotions, and it will be an emotional experience. Mm-hmm. But we can't trust in the emotions to say, yes, that means I'm saved. You, you've got to have the rational aspect. And this is what a lot of people tend to leave out when it comes to salvation. They think, oh, well, if you're going to church, you've got to check your mind at the door. But that's not the case. God wants us to, to, to question. God wants us to to examine. God wants us to know. And that's that's what John uses here in, in that word know. He wants us to know, not just hope, not just to feel, not just to believe, but to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. So you've got to have the intellectual aspect, the reasoning aspect. You've got to have the emotional aspect. And you've got to have the spiritual aspect where you know that the voice of the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart, inviting you into this relationship with God. And in that moment, you surrender to him completely. So it's all aspects of that. Yeah, absolutely. And as I kind of came through that season, um, I remember John 10, 28, let me pull up real quick, um, was a verse that really just kind of um, resonated with me and, and stuck with me. Um, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And I remember thinking that just the idea that that became a verse I I kept coming back to in those moments where maybe I had doubts or questions. Um, But I think brother Ben, you brought up a very good point in the fact that we are never called uh, and, and some groups will, will almost accuse Christianity of this. that They would say like, Oh, you're called to just have blind faith. And to just turn your, you know, leave your mind at the door, come in here and have blind faith. And if you're, if you're thinking too much, then you're messing this thing up. But that's not what we're called to do at all. We're, we're told to, you know, taste and see. We're, we're, we're to test this stuff. And, and um, you know, the New Testament is 
full of examples of, hey, you need to be more discerning. You need to have more wisdom. You know, don't just blindly follow people. Um, and so I think that's important to say that if you find yourself having questions or doubts or something pops in your head, that doesn't mean that you're not saved. Right. Um, and I think that can be a danger that some people want to make life so black and white that they will say, if you've had a true conversion, then you'll never doubt. You'll never um, be tempted for your mind to even think, is this real or not? And because of that, then they get poisoned by trying to think, I shouldn't think this. Oh, no. I mean, the hardest thing on earth, right, is for somebody to say, whatever you do, don't think about chocolate brownies or, or whatever it is. And then you can sit here going, don't think about that. Don't think about it. That's terrible. Right? That may be the worst manipulative tool ever mm -hmm. is tell somebody not to think about something, right? It's similar to screaming at somebody to relax. Yeah. It doesn't work. Like, you know. <laughs> and, and and I love getting into these these talks about doubt because, again, I mean, I don't know, maybe this was my experience, but growing up, doubt was a shameful thing that you should not experience. You know, you should you should be be, you know, assured in your salvation. You shouldn't be doubtful of these things. But um, but really it was it was through just kind of that real, those real moments of of having this doubt and having to really wrestle and figure out what I believe that 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 my relationship with Christ grew so much deeper than it ever would have with with just saying, well, I have to be terrified of doubt. Um and and looking at so I, Hannah and I have recently she's already read it because she reads like crazy fast and I'm a very slow reader but um, have started reading a book called Help My Unbelief it's by uh, Barnabas Piper John Piper's son and and in it he talks about the scripture where the guy comes to Jesus and says you know I believe but help my unbelief and really wrestling with how can belief and unbelief exist in those in those same times, and um, so I'm the you know the crazy youth pastor, I'm the young guy who loves Christian rap and all that. And, and my favorite of the the Christian rappers is Andy Minio, and in one of his songs, he says this line, or he has this line that says, "The opposite of faith isn't doubt; it's thinking that I've figured everything out." Mm. And, and it and it's really coming to that realization of the opposite of faith is thinking that we have all of these answers. Doubt isn't. It, it through our through our doubt, we can our relationship with Christ can be strengthened. Just like in that moment, you know, I believe, but help where I don't. You know? And I don't know. It, and through things like that, that has really strengthened my faith in in being able to just read through the Old Testament, read through the the Psalms of people like like David and Solomon, who were able to come to Jesus and say, hey, I or to come to God and say, I don't understand this, and I am really having trouble wrestling with this. Help me with this. You know, and, and really having that honest relationship with Christ has, has been so fruitful for my relationship and my walk with Christ personally. Yeah, I think, which is mentioned, it made me think of the Psalms and um Really digging into the Psalms is probably something the Lord has, has shown me in the last few years that if I don't know where else to land in Scripture, I just kind of gravitate there. And, and what it has done is give me 
a much better understanding, I think, of who God is and who I am and kind of that comfortableness um, with the idea of saying things to God like, God, like, listen, turn your ear to me. Like, you know, it's like when we kind of look at Psalms and don't realize that these are these guys in their moment of need crying out to God and saying, God, I don't feel like you're listening. God, I want, I want to be obedient. I want to serve you. But right now, God, I just, are you there? Are you listening? And, and we can gloss over that and skip straight to the next part where it's like, and the Lord is good and he's going to uphold the right, righteous right hand. But in that moment, they were feeling this tension of, God, are you real? Like, I know you've done so many things in the past, but there's still part of my soul that just goes, oh, I just, I just need to hear from you right now, God. And, and I think that's the thing. We, we've got to be careful that we don't sell people an idea that if you have this true conversion, that there'll never be a moment where you doubt or that you have these feelings of like, God, please listen. Like the difference is like brother Ben was saying, we have the assurance that coming out the other end, that we are sealed. We are God's. And, and I think that the thing there is because it's not about us. If we build this whole foundation, this whole house of cards on how good we are at, at following the scriptures or, um, dressing up nice and pretending to be perfect. The problem is that deck of cards will come falling down at some point. But the idea that God is the one doing the saving, mm -hmm. we are being saved. You know, God is giving us the free gift of salvation. It's not something that we ever earned or did something to get. Um, well, let me just jump in right here for, for a second for us, because I guess if there's one piece of advice that I would want to give to, to the both of you as, as young ministers, knowing that your ministry lies ahead of you, and, and what I would say to, to every believer out there is one of the most important things that we can do is to be real, um, because people see behind the mask that we try to wear. Too many times we do try to put on a facade and say, hey, I've got it all. I, I know everything. I, I, I'm doing this perfectly. And if you'll just imitate me, you're going to be okay. When the truth is, we're all on this same journey together. We're all struggling. We're all stumbling. We're all finding our, our way through the grace of God. And, and the important thing is not that we don't fall. The important thing is that when we fall, we get back up. I, I grew up in an age where pastors were revered. Uh, and, and when I use the word revered, I mean respected and feared. It was it was a both and kind of thing. And what I discovered was that inevitably what happens when you put a pastor at that position, they're going to do something that's going to disappoint you. And that has a tendency to change your perspective in, in a lot of different ways. So I've always I, I've always strived to be real and to present myself as a fellow uh, sojourner in, in this, this process. And so I think it's important that we are real, that we don't put on pretenses, that we, we show ourselves to be who we are. And in light of that, I just want to say to Zach that uh, it's, it's not just youth pastors, even senior pastors like Christmas wrappers. I mean, it just really <laughs> is a great thing to see. Every December you go out to the mall and those people are wrapping those, those presents. It is it's wonderful. How many presents do you have to buy before you know them by name, though? That's really, 
That's a sad testament to, Chad, to uh, his credit card. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I love these conversations. I really do that we get to dig deep into the stuff that, um, you know, we don't always get to, even in our staff meetings and our, our dealings every day, we worry about a lot of the details, but it's fun to just get in a room and kind of walk through some of this theology and, and dig into God's word and his, the greatness of God that he gives us these promises. And he, he's not looking at us going, man, God, these guys, they're a bunch of knuckleheads. He loves us. He knows we're a bunch of knuckleheads sometimes. Um, oh, talking about, oh, you, you had the point of obeying faithfully, um, which brings up the idea of obedience to the law or um, commandments and how that plays out. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I had heard a great quote the other day talking about the role of the law and how that applies to us as New Testament Christians. And, and they said, um, the law is the mirror, you know, and we've probably, a lot of us have probably heard that before that the purpose of the law in scripture now for us is to show us our flaws. I said, but here's the problem. Have you ever looked in the mirror and seen something in your teeth and then taken the mirror off the wall and tried to clean your teeth with it? I said, unfortunately, sometimes that's what we will do with the law and the idea that his it is his instrument to show us how flawed we are and how much we need salvation. But instead of recognizing our flaw and the fact that we need Christ, instead we think, I think if I could just take that down and use it more thoroughly that I will get myself saved. Um, that, that just reminded me when you were talking Sunday about that idea of what it really looks like to be saved versus that idea of like, oh yeah, we've, we've got laws and we can try and check some boxes and see if we can get ourselves there. That's, that's a great illustration. Uh, I wish I had been the one to say that. But, <laughs> uh, but, but you're right, and, and that's what Paul tries to get across to us in, in Galatians, whether you use the illustration of the mirror or the fact that he, Paul says that the law is a schoolmaster that that is is strict and shows us what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do, but it has no power to save us. And then in Hebrews, the, the writer talks about how the blood of bulls and goats cannot cleanse us from our sin. Uh, all of that was to lead us to the sacrifice of Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, because as Jesus said, he is the only way of salvation, and the law will never get us there. Being obedient will never get us there. But one of the things that I wanted to get across Sunday is that the characteristic of a true believer is someone who is striving to obey God faithfully. We will not do it perfectly, but we will do it to the best of our ability. And when we fail, we will get back up and try again. Yeah, I love the way you said that um, God changes our want to. Um, and I think that's one of those things that when we're walking along the path and yeah, we end up, we stumble and you can feel like, man, like maybe, maybe I'm not doing this right or whatever. And then you realize it's, it's that conviction. It's those, those moments where God is using that. It's drawing you closer to him. Even in your mistakes, he's drawing you closer by showing you your problems or what you've, you know, you need to work on. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I kind of gained coming out of that season of maybe feeling like, well, am I sure? All that kind of doubt was 
a good picture of sanctification, which is just that fancy word to say that progress God is making in us. But you know, as he's sanctifying us along this path, that at 90 years old, our Christian walk should be further along than it was at the day we were saved. Um, and that, but like a lot of things, it's like looking at your kids growing up. You don't realize it in the moment. When you look at your children, you don't literally see them growing up like a weed. But when you go away for, you know, you, you leave for a month or something, if, if heaven forbid, you had to be away from your family for a month, then you came home and you looked at them and like, man, how did these kids get so big? You know, it's the same way. You're talking about grandkids now, so yeah. I don't have grandkids. But I do, and that's exactly <laughs> oh, the way yeah. it works. <laughs> uh, and that is one great thing about our staff is that we do have kind of this great range of kind of where we're at in life right now. And that, um, as you heard just a minute ago, Brother Ben giving us the wisdom, and then we're passing on to other generations and other believers. And uh, it's just so great to see how God has put us all together for this. Well, one, one, one thought for us on, on what you're talking about there. God placed this on my heart as we were talking earlier, and I, I wasn't sure exactly how to, to use this. But one of the, the verses that I struggled with growing up was in Matthew 24, 13, and, and it's in other places. But Jesus makes this statement. He says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And I'm like, okay, God, you know, are you telling me that I won't know that I'm saved until I get there? Is that what that means, that that only if I make it into heaven, only then do I know that I was really saved. And as the years went by and, and, and as God spoke to my heart and as I learned more about the Scripture, what he's saying is it's, it's that word sanctification. It is in the process of the growing. That is the enduring he's talking about here. It's not just the end result. It is the, the daily grind of, of growing closer and closer to Christ and, and following him in obedience. And that's what he calls us to do. It's not about tomorrow. It's not about an hour from now. It's about right now, enduring right this moment in doing what he's called us to do. And as we do that moment by moment, day by day, week by week, that's how we know that we are truly his children. Awesome. Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I think it has been a blessing to my soul. I hope um, those of you that do join us and listen every week um, will enjoy this as well. We have a special treat today. We are going to start something new. So to wrap up our show, Zach is going to reach into a mysterious bucket of truth and pull us out a question to debate. This should be a very academic theological discussion, I'm sure. All right, what do we have, Zach? All right, so would you rather have to hide from your boss who is trying to kill you or have your body covered in raw sores? Oh. <laughs> uh. All right, so I should probably put the disclaimer that Brother Ben did not write this. Um, <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> and that we found it on some random website for youth ministers that said, would you rather Bible games? So our choices are. So hide from your boss who is trying to kill you or have your body covered in raw sores. Ooh. I don't know. 
Hound or Leper? Is that the uh, game we're playing tonight? Well, I've, I've had a, I've, I've had some bosses that I would hope would never want to try to kill me because if they did, I would be dead. <laughs> um, I've worked from for some pretty bad bosses. I've never been covered in like leprosy, so it's hard to really compare those. Those are very opposite ends of a spectrum that don't seem to line up. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard for me to select that first one when my boss literally lives across the street from me. Um, and has a key to my office. So that's that's a true statement. I had not <laughs> thought about that. Has he ever made you like sing for him and throw spears at you when you didn't do it right? Because mm, not yet. No, you didn't saw it. Um, I, I will say that that honestly, my my thoughts of murder have been few and far between. So. <laughs> uh, what about stricening him with <laughs> leprosy? Has that been something you've worried about? The real question is who's Brother Ben's boss? Seems like a guy I wouldn't want to mess with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we got it, but we've got to vote. This is you have to make a decision. Hmm. As much as it seems like an odd one. All right, Zach, we're gonna let you lead off with the decision here. Come uh, on. Pull the trigger. This is lightning round. You gotta do oh, it quick. Boss. All right, so you'd be hunted by your boss. Yes. Yeah, I I would have to agree. I I can't stand uh sores. Hmm. Uh, I think I think I'm gonna have to go with you guys. I, as much as this seems like, uh, I mean, it's it's a bad decision I have to make, but I think I would rather uh, be hunted. I mean, I guess. Hey, <laughs> here's our time with our uh, our lesson today. If we have the assurance of the saints, uh, then we know even if our boss kills us, we get to go to heaven. So go. I guess that's a win. <laughs> Way to make a spiritual for us. <laughs> Over getting covered in sores that you have to be miserable until you get there. All right. <laughs> Well, next week we will pull another thrilling question out of the bucket. Uh, what will we be talking about next week, Brother Ben? Well, that's a good question because we will be coming back on campus for worship next week. And I'm thinking that the question that we're going to, to answer is going to fall into the category of one that many people are asking right now. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. Wow, mysterious. Okay, well, um, come Sunday or listen online to find out what the sermon's about. We'll all be surprised together. Well, hopefully not Brother Ben. <laughs> Lord willing, he'll know prior to Sunday morning, and he'll be willing to tell us then. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll meet and have another great conversation again next week. Hope you enjoy. Have a great day.